I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Hour three, Clay and Buck kicks off right now, and we're going to bring you up to speed with the latest here on... The Biden administration response to the drone attack in Jordan, the reporting on this has been that they misidentified a returning drone to a U.S. base in Jordan. This part of Jordan is is kind of tucked up in the northeast where you have Syria right next door and Iraq right next door. So it's a it's a tough neighborhood uh, geopolitically, you could say. And so initially there was confusion about or there was uncertainty about who hit us or even from where. Now, Clay, the latest is it seems that a group uh, called Kataib Hezbollah uh, operating out of Iraq, although they've also been operating in Syria as well. Uh, they think they struck them from Iraq. Uh, they're a Shia, a Shia Muslim terrorist group backed by Iran. Uh, and they have been attacking U.S. and coalition interests in, in the region for, for many years. So that's the perpetrator, as far as we know right now. Now we get to what the response will be. Uh, you no doubt saw uh, Tucker over the weekend tweeting out that the people calling for strikes on Iran specifically were uh, lunatics. And he added a uh, he added some salty language to the lunatics designation, I believe. That was one part of it. And then you've also seen uh, this happen. Do we, I think we have Joy Reid, right, last night on her show um, uh, saying, well, it's bleeped, but you'll figure it out from the context. This was live on air on MSNBC last last night talking about this uh, this drone attack. Play 20. Over the weekend, President Biden said he's ready to take action if Congress is serious about solving the border issue. If that bill were the law today, I'd shut down the border right now and fix it quickly. And Congress needs to get it done. Starting another f***ing war. <laughs> Still trying to kill the deal. He bragged about blocking progress and said, please, please blame him if it fails. I don't know if you heard that, but she, clearly she was in a... So just so you understand the, the technicalities here or the uh, the technical realities. 
she was they have a sot sound on tape was playing on her show and they're supposed to drop her mic meaning that her microphone is no longer transmitting but sometimes with a sot they won't and she just said what she said there thinking that her mic wasn't going to pick it up that the only people at home would see uh that they would only see the biden sound on tape meaning the video clip and so we heard what she has to say about it okay so clay that's that's one thing um notice though way more what you, you want to weigh say, on this first you know Go i'm just going to say st- astoundingly there has been, and I'm probably jinxing us, in the three some odd years that oh, we've you been doing this show. Oh, you are not about to say I, what I'm I think you Dude, come I'm on. I'm going to jinx us. Neither one of us has cursed on the radio in three some odd years. If I, either of us I, do I know, now, it is Clay's fault, by the way, because you never talk about this on a radio show. Uh, we have never cursed on the air, which is an amazing accomplishment so far, and I certainly jinx this right now. And there, to my knowledge, has never been a off-air comment air during the show the reason why i'm bringing this up is in general i don't i like this is going this will happen to almost any show at some point in time over the course of uh, a show what's interesting to me buck is when what airs is different than what would be said that's when it's a story right like if you or i off air are audio heard and we're saying kind of the same thing, maybe just in a little bit more uh, risque fashion than we would typically say, given FCC restrictions. Clay and I sound the same all the time, but we're adults who do occasionally curse. We're not on the radio, but everything else is exactly what you would expect. But so it's not it's when there's a distance between what you would say on air and what you would say off air, not just in language, but in overall argument. And that, to me, is what makes this interesting for Joy Reid, right? is that she's saying something different to off-air audience than she would on-air. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. So she's playing this clip of Biden. She's coming back. She's like, well, Biden's going to handle this fantastic. He's like, yeah, there he is going to start another war like the clown that he, you know. Yeah, she, right. She knows, even she knows that yes. the, you can't trust this administration to handle something like this. Tony Blinken, who I have it on good authority from people I know that are still in the government, is one of the uh most uh, unimpressive individuals you can think of to have held a cabinet position in a, in a long time um you could say he is the uh, the Pete Buttigieg of the state department as in that guy's in charge really wow but here he is letting everybody know the actual secretary of state for now tony blinken that they will this is cut one that the response will be decisive we will respond decisively to any aggression and we will hold responsible the people who attacked our troops. We'll do so at a time and a place of our choosing. So there are three basic options here. Wall Street Journal laid this out today, but this is obvious. It's not like the Wall Street Journal was uh, you know, figuring this out late into the night. You can hit the people who hit you, meaning the proxies. You can hit the Iranians who backed the proxies. So that might be some kind of attack, you know, some kind of strike on military facilities in Iran, naval facilities in the open ocean, something like, you know, naval uh, uh, ships in the o- ocean. Um, or you can do something economic, which is, no, that's not going to do anything, right? But that, those are really the options here. Um, but I think laying that out, somebody can probably figure out from my tone, Clay, they're not really going to do anything. Uh, and now, a worse thing would be to do something that starts a war, to be clear. So I, I do think that Striking Iran um, would be uh, something that's an escalation, like hitting Iran on their soil in a way that would really hurt. Um, I think that's an escalation that we don't need and is a bad idea. 
But I mean, hitting the proxies. Okay, so we'll bomb some. You know, we're they're, they're going to end up losing some facilities out in the desert of Iraq. Basically, I think that's all that's going to end up happening here. So, question for you: October seventh, the terror attack Hamas is uh, slaughters twelve hundred innocent Israelis. We're now about to hit February. This week we will, and the response from Israel is still ongoing uh, inside of Gaza. And the West Bank, as we discussed before, they're hitting them in the West Bank, too. Yeah. And and so this is ongoing. And we're now, what is that, November, December, January, February. We're now four months into the Israeli response to this attack on October 7th. And that is the precipitating factor under which American soldiers are also being targeted because of the United States connection to Israel. And that has created all of this, uh, you know, mushroom cloud, for lack of a better phrasing, that has happened in the Middle East. How many more months does this continue, Buck? in your mind, if you were analyzing it. And the reason why I bring it up is, obviously, you have a CIA background. You can analyze this. But you just heard me talking with Ryan Gerdusky. If you look at the presidential politics, next week we will officially hit nine months until the election. And I do think that there are Jewish people listening to us right now who are going to change the way that they were vote that they would have voted based on October 7th. I believe that. We'll see in nine months whether that's correct or not. And I also think there are Arab voters in the United States that are unhappy with the Democrat. You just heard Ryan Gerdusky say this might be the beginning of the end of the relationship between Jewish uh, Americans and the Democrat Party, which has typically represented them over the fact that there are way more Arabs now in the United States than than Jews. So, Buck, in that context, how many more months do you think this goes on? And do you think this story in general is going to continue to be an issue by the time people go to the ballot box in November. I think my my belief, Clay, on this is that um, this will have, by the summer, died down to the point where it won't be much of a consideration at all uh, in the election. Um, just because the Israelis have done most of the heavy fighting they're going to do in Gaza at this point, uh, they don't care what the internet, the quote international community says about it. They just did this undercover raid. It's basically a hit. I mean, it's a, a targeted strike, an assassination, whatever you want to call it. But they sent guys in plain clothes into a hospital in the West Bank and they killed three bad guys because the Israelis aren't playing games. They're, yeah. they're going to do what they have to do to defend themselves. Uh, in the aftermath of October 7th, they're hitting military targets, but you know, they're using subterfuge uh, on the battlefield to, to accomplish that. Um, and uh, so I, I think that there's not going to be nearly the focus on this that there has been. Also, you know, we've we have these these outposts really in Iraq and Syria, these very isolated U.S. military bases. You know, they, they get hit occasionally or with um, with what they call IDF indirect fire. So they'll be hit with uh, you know mortars, rockets, things like that. It's really just to, you know. Un- unnerve the base. You, you, rarely does it actually result in what we saw here. They they manage to sneak through. There are you know they have air defenses and radar and things at these at these installations. They snuck through a pretty sizable um, explosive payload on a drone. They killed three and they wounded a couple of dozen others. I mean this was a this was a big explosion that went off. Uh, so they got us on this one. I think that the question going forward is going to be more: How long do we plan to have U.S. military presence? in the region um, because it does bring to people's minds the ongoing peacekeeping mission that we tried to play in Lebanon 
back in the Reagan days, and Hezbollah hit us at the Marine barracks and killed hundreds of Marines uh, with with the mass truck suicide bombing attack, right? So, you know, I, I think that longer term, there's the question about are we going to start to just realize that we don't need to have this forward-deployed presence in this way, and then it just turns into... You know, if you step out of line, we're going to hit whatever it is with airstrikes, and that's that's going to be it. I mean, we're not going to think twice about uh, the damage that will have to be done as a result of it. I don't think it's going to move the politics here at home very much at all because there's so many other factors that are at play, and I think that people, every single, I'll tell you this, every single person who's out there in any way in solidarity with Palestine or talking about how it's a genocide in Gaza, they are the left-wing base of the democrat party right so they're i mean they were going to vote that way anyway um this notion of uh the muslim community uh, because of michigan i think deciding what are they going to do they're going to vote republican i mean maybe some of them stay home but i think there are enough other issues that are important to them um that they will likely continue to vote democrat anyway that's that's just my my read on it uh but as for the, the situation with iran i mean clay we have been meaning the u.s dealing with this thing now for 40 some odd years since the revolution and in 79 since basically. 79 and we've been talking about oh maybe they'll democratize maybe there'll be an overthrow maybe they'll be you know uh, the answer is the iranian regime is you know probably has another 20 or 30 years in it as is and we just got to keep them from messing up everything for the rest of us i mean it's a shame the iranian people i i think uh there's plenty of evidence that especially the younger generation in iran it's got a lot of people who are, they like Americans, which yeah, you won't yeah. really hear, but they're pro-American. Certainly Persians in this country, uh, I think, appreciate America because of what they left behind, um, you know, the tyranny they left behind. But, you know, th- this is why all this talk about what are we going to do with Iran? It, it's kind of like North Korea. You just try to contain it. But I don't think there's a sol- there's no solving this problem. And, and that's not that's not something that people hear and feel like there's a satisfying answer there. But that is the answer. There's there's nothing we're going to do that's going to solve this. We just want to keep it from spiraling out of control. All of you out, by the way, we've got a fun clip that we're going to play for you when we come back. It's LeBron James book report. We were talking earlier about Taylor Swift and all the celebrities out there getting involved in politics. LeBron James being quizzed about reading the autobiography of My- Malcolm X. I guarantee you're going to love this. Um, and maybe back in the day, There's a videotape of you out there talking about a book you didn't read. Maybe, maybe, possibly. Remember uh, the the all the reports you had to do? Was it Reading Rainbow? Remember watching that back in the day in your classrooms? I was flying home Sunday uh, from South Florida. I sat next to. I thought it was so cool. I sat next to a woman who's now the principal of the elementary school that I went to. Uh, no idea. She, I don't think had any idea what I did or anything else, but I went to a school called Gulletsville Elementary. Um, and you know what's cool? When I was in first grade, we did a time capsule. We put all this old stuff into the time capsule, 1985, and it's going to get opened next year in 2025. So I was asking that uh, the principal about was the time capsule still there? What are the pro- uh, processes under which the time capsule is going to get opened? I remember writing something and putting it in there. I think we were supposed to predict what the world would look like. It's like going back in time. And, you know, that's what family history often is, too. Those camcorder tapes that you have. You're going back in time 
to maybe family members who are no longer with you. Impressive Thanksgivings, Christmas, maybe Easter, New Year's, times that you spent with really close family members on those old VHS tapes. And just like I can't wait to see what's in that time capsule from 1985, imagine what your kids and grandkids are going to think about all the time capsules in your family's history that you can preserve forever and share with them through digital files. That's what Legacy Box does. And that's why you need to go, trust me right now, go to LegacyBox.com slash Clay, and you will get 50% off the regular prices. LegacyBox.com slash Clay. Get started today. They will professionally digitize all your old family memories. Ensure that your family memories and time capsules of life are preserved for generations to come. That's LegacyBox.com slash Clay. 50% off LegacyBox.com slash Clay. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Heard you to go check out the Ryan Gerdusky conversation last hour. It's a great guest. Does good work. Um, just data analysis. 
when there's so much noise sometimes actually going to the numbers and just analyzing it, I think is super important and impactful. Uh, I think you guys will enjoy that conversation, even though he's wrong about Michelle Obama, clearly. Um, I wanted to, to hit you with this. There is an investigation now that has been opened into Cori Bush. She is a St. Louis, Missouri area congresswoman who has been among the most aggressive out there in arguing to defund the police. The irony, of course, is that many of the most aggressive defund the police uh, advocates regularly employ private security and or live behind walls in gated communities. The allegations against Cori Bush, Buck, uh, as they are outstanding right now, and she has denied them, to be fair, uh, are that she paid her husband, I believe, $60,000 in private security costs when he is not actually a private security guard, uh, and that those were done with taxpayer funds. She definitely spent, she was one of, of all the Congress people out there, all the politicians out there, one of the highest spenders on private security. And so now there are reports that she is being investigated by the Department of Justice, defund the police stalwart Cori Bush for illegally spending campaign funds on her own private security, including money that went to her husband. Uh, So, you know, it's amazing how often this happens that the people who don't want you to be able to get police to help you are willing to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxpayer money to make sure that they are safe. It's amazing, isn't it? You just want to say sometimes, hey, elected officials, just don't do really blatantly corrupt illegal stuff. You know, can, can you hold off on the blatantly corrupt illegal stuff until you're no longer in a position of public trust, at least? The answer is no. The answer is no. But, you know, you want to ask them anyway. Even when you know you're going to be scrutinized like this, Buck. This, this is what I'm saying. I mean, it's yeah. it's just it's preposterous, but this is where we are. This is what we're seeing. All right, look, do yourself and your household budget a big favor. Switch your cell phone service to Pure Talk. And save yourself as much as $1,000 a year. That's how much the average size family saves when they make the switch. Clay's family relies on Pure Talk. I use Pure Talk as my primary cell phone day in and day out. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network for half the price of the other guys. With unlimited plans starting at just $20 a month, you're bound to save hundreds of dollars even if you're the only person on the plan. And Pure Talk is a company you can feel proud to do business with. They support veterans just like they go out of their way to maintain a 100% U.S.-based customer service team, keeping all those jobs in America. This is a company that cares about Americans. You can see it in their service, in their value proposition, day in and day out. So switch now to Pure Talk. Dial pound 250. Say Clay and Buck. Join your fellow Americans. Make the switch. That's dial pound 250 from your phone. Say Clay and Buck and save an additional 50% off your first month. We just had Clay mentioned uh, the situation facing uh, Cori Bush of Congress. Uh, she has spoken on this issue. We just have this uh, hot off the presses, so to speak. Here is Cori Bush explaining what she says. Congresswoman Bush says happened here. Play it. Since before I was sworn into office, I have endured relentless threats to my physical safety and life. As a rank and file member of Congress, I am not entitled 
to personal protection by the House and instead have used campaign funds as permissible to retain security services. I have not used any federal tax dollars for personal security services. In particular, the nature of these allegations have been around my husband's role on the campaign. In accordance with all applicable uh, rules, I retained my husband as part of my security team to provide security services because he has had extensive experience in this area and is able to provide the necessary services at or, or below fair market rate. Okay, can I just... Uh, so she hired her husband to be her security guard and use campaign funds to do it, okay? That's that's what's happened here. She's admitting this. That's what she's saying. Um, I think we all see this for what it is. Uh, she's going to get away with it. I, I, know, I, I know. That's just... No, nothing's going to happen to her as a result of this. There may be some, you know, oh, she shouldn't have done this, but who cares? What about the sheer audacity to do this, by the way? I mean, for everybody out there who is married, can you imagine being paid to protect your wife $60,000 of taxpayer money? Like, you just have to be such a dirtbag to even think to do this. First of all, it's humiliating. If you're with your wife, you should be trying to protect her all the time as a part of just being a decent human being and husband, right? But to then get paid for it and then to come out and argue that you're somehow the victim because your husband made $60,000 to protect you because he has experience. Like, why can't your husband... Just do that as part of naturally being a husband. I mean, just think about it. For any man out there, if you have a wife that has any kind of prominent job, wouldn't you feel like a total deadbeat loser and a grifter extraordinaire if your wife paid you to protect her? It's just, I mean, I I do think, Buck, that she'll try to get away with it, and maybe because it's St. Louis, Missouri, theoretically, where they would bring the charges, or it's Washington, D.C., where they would bring the charges, and you're going to get a rigged jury in favor of Democrats, and she'll get up on the stand, and she'll cry about how mean people are to her and how she had to have security. I mean, I'm not even arguing about whether or not she needs security, although I would argue that almost no one knows who Cori Bush is, and that if you and me who are probably way more famous than Cori Bush, can move about daily life with no security at all, that she's probably fine. But she could have hired security. Just don't pay your husband to do it. And by the way, if you have a security guard and your husband is also with you providing free security, as every husband should, if anybody tries to do anything to their to their wife or girlfriend or your mom or any other woman, I got a crazy idea. I think men should, in general, try to protect women without having to be paid for it, especially if it's the women you love that are in your life. So this is just such a dirtbag, grifting, indefensible move, and most in the media are not going to cover it at all. That, that's do you, the way agree, it's do you go. agree with me though that nothing's going to happen to her over this? I think she'll. I think she'll probably plead. Uh, you know, like in no no low contendery, no contest misapprehension of uh of or misallocation of resources and pay 
a you know twenty thousand dollar fine or something like that. I, yes, there's no significant consequences. I agree with you that are going to come her way. And I don't. I mean, she. I don't know what her district in terms of whether somebody would step up and challenge her. I'm sure it's a super Democrat district, right? So it would have to be a challenger who would beat her in the Democrat primary. I don't know whether there's somebody that would rise up and be willing to do that. I have no idea what her 2024 status would potentially be. But remember, what what do Congress people make nowadays, Buck? What is it like 250? Oh, is it is it over 200 now? I think it's somebody on our staff look it up. I think they gave themselves raises. I think it's over two hundred thousand dollars a year. So she could have spent this money. She just couldn't give the money to her husband. She just had to find somebody else in the security detail. Because I think, if I remember correctly, Buck, she has spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on security. It's 174 grand is the base salary. Yeah. But there's like over 200 now. There's other things that if you're the speaker, if you're, you know, senior leadership, you get paid more, that kind of stuff. Also, I thought this was interesting. Uh, Corey Bush, just in the last few hours, um, shared this link out or shared this, this stat. It's kind of like in a meme form on her Twitter account. Did you see this? This is what it says. It's from Corey Bush. This was just at the start of the show today. Black women are three times more likely to die as a result of intimate partner abuse than white women. This is the stat that she's sharing. What is what is the point that she is making by sharing that stat? No you, idea. You, like what? Why? I mean, is she, what is the claim? Like so? So she's saying what exactly with this? I just thought this well, was I mean, the, the data would reflect black women are under more danger than white women because black men are more violent than white men in general. They're obviously mixed race couples, but it's a super strange thing to share. But that actually is just reflective of the larger criminal data, which is this, black this is men are I'm more saying. likely I mean, to engage in violent behavior. So is she she's calling she's out her husband? This, she's sharing this, I believe, because she thinks it shows like systemic racism. Or, or, you know, that there's some, oh, this, is, yeah. this is a, you know, this is a, a, like a, she's talking about a black vestige of, a, a vestige of uh, the awfully awful racism of America. But I mean, overwhelmingly, if you were to actually look at this data, what you'd find is that Corey Bush is sharing out that black women who are, uh, predominantly in same race relationships are substantially more likely to be killed by the person they're in a relationship with than white women. Yes. But this is how important it is to her to share the narrative of, um, you know, systemic racism. That and she shares a stat that culture. makes people come away with a conclusion or rather come away thinking about things differently than what I think she how she thinks about things. No, you're right. You and I immediately see that and say, well, of course, that would make sense because black men engage in violent acts of criminality far more frequently than other members of any other race do. And the data point, which nobody ever wants to talk about, uh, over half of all murders are committed by 6% of the population. Black men, roughly 6% of the population, commit over half of all murders. And by the way, you can dial that back. It's actually black men ages 16 to 40, because most violent acts are committed by men ages 16 to 40. But I don't know what percentage of the black male population would be 16 to 40. It's probably two percent of the overall population is committing over half of all murders. I mean, in this it, it would be almost like sharing, you know, that I'm 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 guessing, but I think it's a very uh, I should say estimating, not really guessing that over 90 percent of shooting victims on the south side of Chicago, for example, are black. 
But if you're sharing that to make a case about systemic racism, you're you're missing a key piece of what that data also, you know, the other part of that data, which is who's doing the shootings. Yeah. By the way, you know, 100 percent. Daryl in Joplin, Missouri, also wants to add another detail here, which is why this is also being investigated. Uh, I have read this as well. Daryl in Joplin, Missouri, what did you want to share with us also about this Corey Bush situation? Uh, afternoon, guys. Um, Corey Bush's husband is not licensed in the state of Missouri to provide that particular type of security, and also he's not licensed in Washington, D.C. Yeah. Thank you for the call. So that they, No, he's 100% right. That is the also other aspect of this claim is that in addition to the fact that she paid her husband $60,000 to provide private security, which, again, I would ask every husband out there, you should immediately just think, man, that is dirty. That's just a way to funnel more cash into their family coffers, right? Is he getting paid to provide private security for her when they go out to dinner, when they take vacations, when they go? I would love to see where he was providing that private security, right? But... As the caller pointed out, the allegation is, Buck, that he is also not actually licensed as a private security guard in either Missouri, where they live, or Washington, D.C., where she works. So the grifting is even next level, leaving aside the fact that as a man, the fact that you're being paid by your wife to provide private security for her is super weird, and you should be doing that, I think, as just the nature of being a husband. Um... To be fair, I, I think Laura a, would would knock a guy out if she had to, though. So you know, she's she's fierce. To be fair, Petite, but fierce, it's very fierce. To be fair, Laura would also prefer that there actually be a private security guard protecting her if she were super famous, as opposed to me. I think. Uh, so <laughs> I think she would want a professional. I don't know that she would consider me to be uh, a stalwart, brawny uh, brawler who was going to protect her uh, as well as somebody who was licensed. And I'll just say this: in the event somebody's like going to be. I've had private security before. Uh, when, I, when I'm on the road with Fox Sports to do stand-ups in front of television at, at the events where you've been a couple of those places, yeah. Buck, they want me to have security because when you're on television, somebody can tackle you. Uh, somebody can attack you. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, like, it's, it's, it's more for crowd control. I mean, they're yeah. not trying to stop John Malkovich in, in the line of fire or something. Correct. I mean, but I don't, I don't want somebody out there to be like, well, you've had a security. Yeah, of course. I mean, I'm not opposed to people having security guards. I don't really think Corey Bush needs it, but I've never, guess what? My family member has never been employed to be my security guard. Um, and it's only when I'm doing stand ups and things like that that I've got somebody who's looking out for me. Uh, by the way, um, we come back, we'll play this LeBron James cut for you. I think it, you are going to, uh, to enjoy that. Um, and it will be, uh, very entertaining for you. It's LeBron James book report. Uh, that's coming up in just a moment. In the meantime, uh, I want to tell you, maybe you need some chalk in your life. Maybe Corey Bush needed more testosterone in her security detail that wasn't involved with her husband making $60,000 in the process. Maybe, just possibly, as you start off 2024, one of the ideas that you have out there is a lot of people want to get stronger. New Year's resolutions. You want to get in better shape. That was one of my New Year's resolutions. Um, and so far, I'm managing it slowly. Uh, but this year, Chalk wants to make sure that you get hooked up with all the testosterone you could need. 
Uh, boost your testosterone, mood, energy, focus 2024 by subscribing to Chalk's Mel Vitality Stack. Mel Vitality Stack contains the all-natural ingredients for the ultimate daily boost for American men. Now through the end of February, Chalk's offering a massive discount. Any subscription for life. Visit choq.com. Our guy Seton, Texan, big-time fan of the show. Uh, he is running this company, and Buck, can, he will can hook I tell you, up. you I'm going to do this right after I, I finish the show here because I'm dragging a little bit. I'm a little tired because I've started yeah. working out again as well as writing the book. This is too much for any normal human. Not when I've got a little bit of Chad mode, my friends. I'm taking Chad mode. As soon as the show is over, I'm going to be bouncing off the walls, lifting weights, writing. It's going to be amazing. You know what? Producer Allie said her husband, Gerard, he does a lot of different things. She said when he takes Chad mode, he works out. He's in incredible shape. I don't even know that he needs to work out. What do you think? He's got like 3% body fat, Buck? Yeah, Allie's husband, like really good-looking guy. Yeah. Actor, yeah. really, really handsome. But you know what he also does? He's great Parmesan with his abs. It's amazing. <laughs> he also cleans. He's got so much energy after he works out. Allie said, I don't even, we're going to have to cut this out of the podcast. I don't want my wife to hear it. He's got a good-looking husband. He's in incredible shape, and he cleans. My Chad understanding is he lifts weights while he's using the vacuum. Like, it's amazing. Two at once. You ever see that uh, that that advertisement where it's like women porn, and it's just a man with a vacuum cleaner, like vacuuming, <laughs> vacuuming in the house? <laughs> uh, a lot of women are nodding their head. That is what you would dream of. Uh, that's your fantasy. Uh, chalk.com. Ripped men. They'll clean your house. Chalk.com. Get hooked up today. 35% off for life. <laughs> I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough. 
that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is that, is that my baggage? It look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You have ever claimed to read a book at any point in your academic career that you did not actually read. And if you have ever been quizzed about it, Buck, have you ever claimed to read a book that you did not read in your academic career? Uh, I mean, like, have this you ever tough. read Cliff Notes or Spark Notes? That's what or I'm trying to say. Like, you know, I think I've probably sped read. Is that a thing? Speed readed? Formerly having read at speed? No, I, I think uh, probably in high school, my high school days, uh, I I said I read something when I read like ten pages of it and then skipped yeah. the rest. Yes, I yeah. would bet almost a hundred percent of our audience at some point in time has claimed to have read something that they did not actually read. Were you ever caught in it by a teacher? Were you ever quizzed? This is LeBron James claiming that he is reading the autobiography of Malcolm X. He had been carrying it around. He was quizzed by a member of the sports media about what he had learned from that book. Here is one minute worth of LeBron James' book report extraordinaire. Listen. You're holding the autobiography of Malcolm X along with Alex Haley. I don't know how far you are into the book, but what's your biggest takeaway so far? Um, I kind of just started a couple of days ago. Um, but um, I've read and a lot of a lot of notes over the years. It's my first time actually reading this from start to finish. Um, but just a very, um, very smart man. Very, very, very smart man. And basically, um, his words in the in the sixties and uh, and what was going on is actually what's going on today. Still, him understanding the um, how powerful um, the Negro can be. He used that word a lot. How powerful we are, um, but we have to unite and uh, we have to be together. We have to stand strong. Fuck. <laughs> There's not a chance in the world that LeBron James has read more than three pages of that book. I mean, I just, I, when you watch it, you can like see the panic in his eyes when he gets asked the question because he's been walking around with the book. And if you listen to that, how can you take LeBron's opinion seriously? If you're going to walk around carrying a book to show people that you're reading it, you need to have actually read the book, you know? How about the biggest takeaway of LeBron James' autobiography of uh, Malcolm X is that they use the word Negro a lot in the book. This reminds me, Buck, when I was in college, a guy got busted in D.C. because he would take he would take like super intellectual books onto the metro and just be pretending to read them, and women would talk to him because they would be like intrigued by how intelligent the book was that he was reading. And he would always have a different book, and they ended up busting the guy because he was pretending to read all these high. They only work in certain cities, right, where people are super red and literate. Um, in D.C. on the that, metro, that's was kind one of, of genius. I'm going to say yes. this guy is a, that guy is a smart fellow. 
but he was meeting all these girls and then the, somehow the women became aware because he was on the same cars all the time and they started talking they're like he has no knowledge of any of these he would just carry a book like LeBron was to try to look smart on the subway and that was the way he was picking up girls I kind of like it I'm not going to lie <laughs> brilliant maybe Clay Travis and Buck Sexton on the front lines of truth. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 